Truck Month is on now. Get 1.49% financing for up to 72 months on a 2022 Chevrolet Silverado 1500. Plus, eligible Costco members can receive a $750 bonus on select trucks. Conditions apply. Visit ChevroletOffers.ca. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to the Pesky Report, a podcast for Red Sox fans. All right, welcome everybody to our third Met of Tomorrow interview. I'm Ed Hand uh, here with Nathan Landry, left-handed pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, selected in the 15th round of uh, this year's draft, uh, pitched in the Florida Complex League a bit last year. Who knows where he's going to start this season, but uh, real, we're real happy to have you here, Nathan. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. So you got to – we were talking about this a little bit before we started here, but you, um, you're you're from uh, – you're from Mon- – um, not Montreal, but like two hours away from Montreal. Can you tell me about uh, where you grew up a little bit? Yeah, so I grew up mostly in Victoriaville, so it's like two hours up north from Montreal. So I'm uh, – that's where I mostly spend uh, high school, everything. Then after high school, I moved to a, a city called uh, Trois-Rivières, which is where I'm at uh, – I train. Uh, I studied like some post high school stuff before moving to the junior college. So yeah, gotcha. So was there? Did you like spend a year kind of doing that before you switched over to before you went to JUCO or uh, how? Uh, how? Um, I mean, before we even get into that, how did you start playing baseball? Because you know we're in we're in the Northeast here in Boston, and it snows during the it snows during the winter. But baseball is very ingrained in the culture here. And, you know, Expo's legendary team, my dad's absolute favorite, um, and the Blue Jays. But baseball isn't really as associated with Canada. So I'm just, I'm wondering how you, uh, how you became a baseball player. Oh, no doubt. I mean, in the past two years, it's been way better for, for that baseball is getting, it's getting more popular, I would say, back home. Because I started, uh, when I grew up, I played hockey, uh, played hockey and then I started baseball at around 10, 11 years old. So I was really old. I mean, compared to other guys that start with like T-ball or so. So I started with uh, hockey, start baseball during two or three months in the summer. I mean, you, you notice that uh, the weather is kind of difficult to play like all gear. So no, played mostly. And I was in arenas all, all year, except for those like three months. That was a, that was a great weather for baseball. So started there was not even a, student athlete i mean in high school so mostly mostly hockey and then some travel ball during the summer and that was it for me for high school so what uh, do, do you remember like when you first started playing because 11 i mean in the states that's most people start you know it's like t-ball and maybe you take a couple you don't do t-ball but you still start you know seven or eight years old um 11 is definitely older than i usually hear for uh for people coming on so how um how did you how did you start playing baseball so i started uh through the little league so we had two teams in our region and we just honestly played each other like two or three times a week so i was playing against some of my uh uh, I was on playing on my brother's team and we're playing against some of our friends that we go to school with. There's only two teams. So, I mean, you just play the game that you love. There's uh, not really a big competition or whatever. It's just, you just play, you got two or three hours, two umpires, just, just having some fun during summer while it's, it's a great weather. So no, it's, it was, it was definitely different. I mean, I got a different story than a bunch of guys that probably got drafted and started at T-ball, but I started uh, only playing for fun. For me, for me, I saw my cousin playing the year before, and I was like, Mom, I want to try like baseball. Like, I loved it. 
were you a good hockey player also? Uh, I really loved hockey. I mean, I chose the baseball pack because uh, at the end with uh, – for for me that that love for baseball was way way bigger than than hockey. But I love hockey, and I mean, I was I was all right. I was not a, an exceptional talent or anything. And I mean, hockey is pretty popular back home in in Quebec. So uh, there's a lot a lot of players. So it's really difficult to get like over that uh, that margin of everyone else. So yeah, I think I think about that sometimes too. And it's obviously on a different it's on a very different level. But I love baseball growing up. Um, wasn't quite as good at that as I was at tennis. So I ended up playing high school tennis and like relatively competitively there, but it's, it's just funny because there wasn't, I never had the same passion for tennis that um, I did for baseball, but you know, passion can only get you so far. You need to have um, a degree of talent with that. Um, And obviously you were able to, uh, you were able to find that talent. Um, So were you always a pitcher? Uh, so I developed as a pitcher pretty late. I mean, at first I was a lefty playing some outfield and I was really bad at hitting. <laughs> I was that, that speedy guy just trying to bunt, get guys over, you know, like, like it was tough for me to get over that 250 average. Like, but I love from the outfield, I love playing outfield and I love like throwing runners out. That was, that was the main thing for me playing center field, everything. And I mean, I started playing baseball. It was, uh, it was my uh, so my uncle was uh, coaching me, and he's like, one day he's like, we're down by eight. He's like, we need we need like an inning, like we don't have any more pitchers. And I'm like, all right. So my first time pitching, it went really bad, poorly, poorly. <laughs> and I was like, that's the last time. Like I don't like that. And now it's funny because that's that's my job, and I love doing that. Like on the mound, it was just that that pressure on the mound and everything. It was so different for me, uh, and I just I just feel like I fell in love with it after the year later that I started pitching a little more yeah i mean i'm sure if it was your first time out there and, and i mean baseball is a very lonely sport also it's um for a lot of a lot of sports i feel like it's everybody in the team is kind of um in it together but with baseball you're sort of waiting your turn for something to happen and with uh you know as a pitcher you're the one who's kind of dictating the pace so if you get hit everyone's everyone's gonna see it but um when did you realize that you had a chance to play professionally, that you had a chance to get drafted, uh, um, pitch, you know, pitch junior college? Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, for me, for me pitching, it was, uh, it was late. I mean, I started being a pitchers only at 16 years old. I mean, couldn't hit much. I was a left-hander. They were like, you're going to start playing a little more only pitcher. And I was like, all right, that's fine with me. And then at that point I was really into my, uh, my stuff into pitching. I love just, just doing my stuff alone, just my headphones and kind of like mimic doing like on the mound and stuff. And then I would say like 16, 17 is kind of like when I got like some, some better numbers, but never really thought about professional baseball. Cause I mean, in Quebec, just for this year's draft, there's been only three guys from Quebec that got drafted. So it's really, it's really not popular. And it's, it's kind of like that view. We're so far away from everything's happening in the United States, you know, like high school, like college. Uh, so for us, it's it's different. And I had no one around me that really played professional baseball. So, I mean, it was more for uh, around 16, 17, that opportunity to maybe move to a, a, a college. And I mean, the safe safe bet was the junior college because we didn't know much about me in the United States. So I just uh, just needed that little like window open. And that's when I took it. How um, how did they discover you? Like, what was um, did, did they just send like a scout over who happened to see you? I uh, know everything was to uh, field level. I mean, I was playing in a travel ball, and some of our guys. I mean, we got a pretty good uh, pretty good program here. It's called a uh, La Flash College, and there's a bunch of different sports and baseballs really growing up. And uh, they were known for in Quebec for sending some guys to the United States. I mean, from my class, there's like three guys that got sent to to uh, junior colleges in the United States. So it was always through field level prospect. I don't know if you ever heard of that. So everything's online. I mean, coaches can see uh, most of my videos. I just post like pitching videos. And it was through email trying to get a chance. I was saying like, I was at night after homework and I was sending a bunch of emails trying to kind of like sell myself and saying like, give me an opportunity or something like that. So it was really different. It was me approaching coaches instead of like coaches approaching me. Yeah, so you really had to figure out how to advertise yourself and, and hustle there. That's 
that's definitely different than you hear a lot in the states where it's like you know there was a scout at this game or there was a they, they have games specifically for scouts i was talking to um nate tellier the other week and he was playing like a red sox yankee scout game where they had like people from boston and new york playing each other and they just had all of them go in one place um what was the do you remember the first time somebody actually got back like a coach actually got back to you and said hey we're interested oh yeah it was crazy i mean everything was through emails and like, luckily, we had that one uh, – we were going to Florida for, like, a week or two, and it was our, like – we had a few games in, like, just before spring training. I mean, in uh, uh, just before March. So that's where we were, like, playing a few games, and that's when I first got, like, noticed, I would say, because there's one one coach that kind of, like, approached me, and I was like, like, how old are you, whatever, to trying to get, like, that information. And it was really new for me because I didn't know how to feel about that. I was – at that point, I was playing baseball to – just for the love of it. Like I didn't even think about moving yet. So just getting that opportunity was really good with the, the first coach. So going back a little bit, what players were like, what pitchers were some of the ones you were trying to mimic and what team did you grow up really following? Oh, so for me, uh, like growing up the blue Jays, I mean, I remember those uh, blue Jays years when they just traded for like that Donaldson too low. It's key. It's like those years that uh, kind of watched them a lot. So, I mean, David Price is one of them that I watch a lot. It was, I mean, I always looked at left-handed pitchers, of course, I'm, as a left-handed pitcher. So I would say David Price, I mean, Clayton Kershaw. And it was funny because I saw in your intro uh, that Chris Sell final. Uh, so Chris Sell is also a guy I look up to. I mean, lefty, three, three quarters on slot. It's three top guys that I watch every day. Yeah, and I mean, now that you're in the same organization as them and everything, did you get to talk to Sale at all when he was uh, down? No, that would have been be that would have been before I guess you got drafted that he was down there. But has he been around the uh, the Fort Myers facility at all? So he's been around the facility, but kind of like at the end uh, when it was our, like our final week or two. Uh, I mean, when he was playing here, it was before the draft, so we didn't. I didn't get to spend much time with him, but I saw him around whenever he got that wrist injury. So. That's when I saw him for the first time. Gotcha. So, you know, when you ended up uh, getting drafted, were you, were you not drafted? Sorry. Uh, when you first started playing Jinko, was it on a scholarship or was it just like, did you have to do a walk on tryout for the team? Uh, how did I don't how, how does that process yeah. even work? No, luckily I was uh, on scholarship. I mean, uh, I was playing at Mineral Area College. So uh, it was one of the first uh, recruiting coordinator that kind of like texted me and I had like a good feeling about that program. And, they had a lot of uh, international students, so they had a lot of uh, scholarship for that too. So I mean, it was a great way for me to to go to go to Ju- JUCO way, but also like just be, just adapt quicker to the the change in like culture and everything and language too. So this holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember: nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films. They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level or on top of the world. Uh, You can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Yeah, I guess. Did you grow up speaking French? Yeah, I speak like only back home. It's all about French, yo. It's my first time speaking English in a while. I mean, there's a few texts with like coaches and everything, but like speaking it twenty four seven. It's been a long time since I've been uh, FCL, of course. Yeah. I I never I'm I used to I used to work um 
in a in a past life um for amazon we had this like um language development thing where we were trading um it was for alexa and we were trading it in french canadian mm-hmm. um and it was always really fascinating to me like how like just the little differences between like that kind of french and you know like france french or like morocco french but um was that a big adjustment for you like having to having to go from uh, one language to another like how how did you learn much english when you were in like high school yeah so luckily in high school like i told you i was not a student athlete i was really focused on school and then in my program there was a lot of like second language so every year i had uh classes but it's second language classes in english and uh, also three years of Spanish. So it's kind of like where I got my background and kind of like my basics. And I mean, it's kind of like when I first moved in, in Juco. I mean, that's always a, f- a fun fact that I love to say my first month, I probably spoke like four or five full sentences that like made sense in English. I mean, it was a big adjustment, but I had so much help at the Juco level to kind of help me through the language. But luckily I had those like basics that I learned through those second language classes. Yeah, there was enough. Um, you had enough of like an introduction to it. Where so where where did you go for JUCO? So you mean when I go through I, uh, Mineral Area College, the college? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Where about is? It's not a school I'm familiar with. Where about? Yo, is so that? it's in Park Hills, Missouri. So uh, it's a little city. I, like I would say, like the only people I saw was people from school. I mean, small, small, like small town. Uh, so yeah, it's in Park Hills, Missouri. I would say. If you if you know where St. Louis is, it's like an yeah. hour south of St. Louis. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Did you have um? Did you make it down to um to Bush Stadium there at all? Yeah, I went. Uh, my first playoff game was the Cards game against the Braves, and it was uh Adam Wainwright against Mike Soroka, who's a Canadian pitcher. So it was oh, a that must have been matchup. cool. Yeah, it was. It been. was a great atmosphere. I loved it. Yeah, they have um in a lot of at least like like the surveys I've seen that that's considered one of the best baseball cities in the, in the country and the whole, in the whole league. So that's, that must've been really cool being that close to it. Um, oh, of course. Now, so you pitched there for a bit. Did you, what, what were you studying? So I was studying business. I was been into uh, business administration and uh, my freshman year was actually the COVID year. So yeah, started my first year in JUCO was the COVID year. So we played, we were starting into conference play and then season ended. And I was like, wow, it's my first year. Like, I don't know what to expect. So I went back home and finally got a chance to come back for my sophomore year, which was my first, like, full season in college. That must have been very strange for you just going from one thing to another. And, I mean, at least it wasn't, like, your junior year or something like that when the spotlight's going to be on you. But what did what did you do during the, during the COVID year? Did you just trade on the side? Did you find uh, any leaks to play on? Yeah, so basically back home, it was really, I mean, COVID was like different. We had curfews and everything back home in Oof. Quebec, Canada. So it was really difficult for me to find like a facility to work out at. So uh, what I did, I had, uh, that's a funny stuff. Uh, I had a hockey net, you know, hockey nets that you used to play like, like on the street, like you just yeah. shoot pucks. And I used a hockey net, just build kind of like a plywood to have that like strike zone. And that's when I would uh, be in my backyard and kind of like work out and throw for baseballs. So I went through a uh, remote training online during COVID. And I mean, that's one way that I got lucky because it was my freshman year during that like COVID year and just helped me build those, uh, those better habits and those uh, better movement patterns that, uh, that I had the chance to do during COVID because it was one-on-one time. I, that's what I had to do every day. I mean, it was, it was curfew. There was nowhere you could go, but you're out. So it was one way for me to just keep working out. So I had that little gym at home and that's why I did all COVID. Did, when you came back, was your velocity up? Um, did you notice that there were any, any changes in your, uh, in your performance after just a kind of a year off and training? Yeah. So year off was really the best, the best for me. I mean, I came back with better movements. Velocity was better. It was more fortless. I really work on those like movement patterns a lot. So I mean, arm arm pad changed a lot, and then I think it was uh, that we we couldn't notice that difference between that freshman and uh, sophomore year into velocity. So that was one way of me just just working on my craft during COVID. Um, before we go a little bit more uh, forward with this, what did your parents think of this? Of you um, like heading off to the U.S. to to pursue baseball? I mean, it was different because we have, like I told you, we have no one here that 
Like, I would, I would say we have, like, 40 or 50 uh, French Canadian that actually do it every year, go, like, everywhere in the U.S. So, for me, I had no, like, I had a few friends that did it. So, I had, a, like, a little background that I could, like, focus and be, like, all right, what to expect. But for my parents, it was completely new because I was in a family uh, with, like, school. Like, you know, like, you go through yeah. high school. Uh, between high school and university, we got some, uh, we got, like, a... It's kind of like a junior college. I would say mandatory junior college. It's called CJEP. And then after it was university. So I did that CJEP. And then I was going through university. I was applying for universities back home in, uh, in Quebec. And then had the chance. And it was just having that sit down with the parents and be like, like school is still going to be like at first, like at first, like I'm a student athlete. Like, don't worry. Like, so it was just keeping up with those grades. And I mean, uh, like when they saw that like baseball was going well and I had like had those like University of Missouri like reaching out and stuff they were like all right like I, I think it was I, I think it was a great move but before that it was really difficult to kind of like told them hey mom finally I'm not going to Quebec I'm going to United States for university yeah just a little further away um and you, you said you had a brother do you have uh do you have like a big family you guys yeah so i close? only have a yeah we're pretty close i mean to uh a brother two years younger than me he was really really good at hockey and he's now uh like full-time job i mean every friend of mine here is like it's their adult life like i get the chance to play baseball like back in the u.s but they're all like apartments they're, they're starting to build family so it's really funny to see the the difference of where i ended up and where's like my my brother and all my friends at. Yeah. What, um, what do your, what do your folks do? Uh, my parents, uh, my mom works in, uh, in a school. So she's like, uh, I don't know how to say that in English. Actually, she's kind of like helping kids in need kind of oh, uh, like a There's special like, education. Yeah. Teacher? Spe- yeah special that's, what, that's what my mom does. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So that's what, that's what she does. And she would love to, um, to actually uh, teach it like in the near future in universities here. So, uh, there's like a, programs for that like at the university so she would love to teach it in the next few years and i mean my dad's got a uh a company um he's working like those uh those shop like the classic shop uh in a big company for like papers back home okay cool so it seems like you had like a pretty pretty nice uh family life growing up and that's gotta be that's gotta be cool for them seeing you seeing you get drafted but uh, before that so you went from juco to university of missouri um yeah. how how does that happen like where you go from you know like a smaller college to one of these big like division one schools uh, of course that was a another big adjustment for me i mean came from a small city in quebec moving to a small city in the u.s and then whenever university of missouri reached out to me i think it was a perfect fit because i mean i was probably like two or three hours from them from my juco and uh when i first visited campus uh, it was actually in the fall because uh, it was a dead period after COVID. So I couldn't like, there was no like actual visit. So the first time I stepped on campus was like during the summer. And it was me with one of my friends from JUCO that went there. And it was like, there was no like official visit. So I went there and it was just crazy. I mean, uh, just stepping on like campus, big campus that I love to say that you see like on uh on TV shows and everything. I mean, for me at first, I thought it was like a stereotypes or something like big schools in the United States. And I'm having the chance to actually be like on campus. It was just, it was just crazy. Another big adjustment. Did you find the competition of play stepped up a lot? Because you were saying before you were just, there were two teams when you were in little league and you guys were just playing each other over and over again. And I would imagine as you go up, you know, there are more players and everything, but where did, was it a big competitive jump? Like they, like with just the hitters getting better, the other, the opposing pitchers getting better? No, of course. I mean, it was a big jump, but luckily um, in my last like two or three years, I was in a um, summer ball league back home in Quebec with a lot of college guys. So I had that like first taste of, I was at the face actual like college hitters. So that really helped me, I think with that level to Juco, but then going to Juco to the SEC, that was that was a big step. And I think it was just going back to those basics. I mean, I'm, I'm born playing like one team against another, like two teams. I mean, it was going back to like, I got the baseball, like I control what I can control. I mean, and not being too much into that, like, Oh, I'm facing like big hitters or something. So it kind of, kind of like I would build like my mindset of like facing and having one pitch at a time and just having fun playing the game. 
what um what kind of pitcher would you say you are because you're, you're left-handed but what type of uh like what do you, what do you like to throw i like so my best two pitches are uh fastball slider i mean i'm a like they say uh, the right fastball like to use that fastball on top of the zone i'm still working the off season to get a little little peak in velocity but uh i mean as i showed in my last like three years i attacked the zone work quick uh, I got a funky delivery. I mean, hike the ball like really long. So that, I would say that's what creates me. I'm just, I'm my bat best when I attack pitchers, get that first pitch strike and just finish them with my best stuff. So, yeah. It's going into draft day uh, pretty recently, not even what, four months ago. Was uh, was that June, July? It was, yeah, it was, it was pretty recent. Yeah, it was mid July when it happened. I mean, I had a few conversation. It was, uh, I didn't know what to expect. I had like a few meetings to go back at Missouri. Like I was planning to go back to University of Missouri as a senior. I had a few talks, but I was like, I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. And I'm like, if it happens, it happens. That was always my go-to quote to think and just like, keep working out in the in the summer. And I was like, all right. So when the draft day happens, I would say I would like to, if I tell you that I was not nervous. I mean, I, it was it was that little nerves. I mean, there might be a chance, there might not be. So I had a few talks, and I mean, Boston was the number one team that like reached out to me uh, in season, and also ahead of the, the draft. So whenever, whenever I got that call, I was, I was, uh, it was crazy. I blacked out for a second, really not expecting it, and uh, that was crazy. It, it was just a crazy day. Then a few days after, it was just, just, just getting back to normal and having the chance to go to that uh, facility in FCL. That was that was great. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. <laughs> Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22 shopify.com slash free 22. How, how quickly did you sign after, uh, after you were drafted? And did you know that you were going to, cause I feel like you have a lot more leverage as a junior than you do as a, uh, as a senior, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I had that leverage, but I mean, now with, baseball that was like you don't get leverage as a senior so for me it was getting that opportunity I mean that fair opportunity and having the chance to finish cool was the the perfect fit so honestly once I got that opportunity I probably thought about it slept on it for 24 48 hours and then I signed right away so for me for me it was taking that opportunity while it's there and just make the most of it did you, uh, who was the first person you told? Were you with your family or were you, uh, so they, they must have known, were they, were they excited? Yeah, so I was on day three and I was actually at my, uh, during the day I was the normal schedule, went to my indoor facility, it was like 45 minutes away from my hometown. And when I got back home, that's when, um, uh, it was like one or 2 p.m. That's why, that's kind of when the day three like started for, um, for the draft. So I had my draft tracker on the side. Uh, and I was just doing my normal routines, uh, just eating, making food, you know, just trying to do stuff and not be too much into the, the computer and hoping for my name to kind of like pop out. So, no, it was just that normal routine. I had my uh, my mom at home without my brother. So I was just we were just we know it was like a day that it could happen, but I didn't want to make like too much of it. Yeah. 
I I don't know how you managed to distract yourself. I'd just be refreshing my phone constantly. Um, like that's that that that's that's amazing though. Um, you know, people were talking. I remember the first couple day, the first day of the draft, first two days. It's just a lot of talk like, oh, they keep drafting shortstops. And then after that, it was a lot of relief pitchers. Um, have you gotten a chance to really uh, bond with the other with the other guys drafted, especially, you know, the other the other pitchers? No, of course, whenever I showed up on uh, in Fort Myers, um, we were we were in hotels and uh, my roommate was a pitcher from uh, Oklahoma University, uh, Jared Gottman. He was that 19 rounder, I think. Yep. And he was my roommate, and that's when we started hanging out more with, like, the pitchers. I was more hanging out with the, the pitchers, of course. And uh, it was kind of like a fun draft class. I mean, they drafted, like, all college guys, so a bunch of junior and seniors. So just having to spend every day with guys like your age, I think the adjustment made it better. So I think it was nice for us. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was a big adjustment, but all guys that come from, like, four-year university. So adjustment was pretty quick. How, um, how, how did they uh, kind of – how was the orientation there? Do they just fly you down to the complex and then, you know, like you go over administrative stuff or like, how does, how was how the, how was the process of kind of getting you entwined in the, in the organization? Oh, the, the process was fast. I mean, the draft was on the Tuesday and I mean, by Sunday I was flying to Fort Myers. Oh, wow. I mean, I had like a few days to just pack a few stuff. Didn't know how long I would be there. I mean, I was moving there. The first week was mostly um, all like medical stuff uh lots of meetings to go through like philosophy uh nutrition meetings uh, psychology meetings so it was just getting that first taste of uh professional ball so we didn't even get to to practice with the fcl until like two weeks after so two weeks after we start like uh practicing with them following their routine um watching the games whenever they were playing at home so i think it was i think for me it was a great like adjustment uh because, you know, I think if we were sent, like, right away into practice, it would have been, like, like kind of big. I think just getting that step back of, like, those two weeks just of, like, meetings, uh, practicing just together, I think it was the best the best fit for all of us. Oh, well, um, you how, did you get to – did you get into a lot of games this year? Because I know the first year it's usually sort of at the end of the season. Um, what's, what was your first game like when you got to make your debut? Yeah, so basically what we had, we had like uh, six pitchers out of this new draft class that got the chance to to play at the FCL level. Um, so, I mean, first live at bat was kind of kind of crazy. It was on a, on a Friday, and then so that Sunday day off, whatever, went back on Monday. Saw my name on the schedule to pitch on Tuesday. So it was uh, the next Tuesday after. I was like, all right, I, get, like, I got an inning on Tuesday. So – Little, little nerves, of course, of that first. I was excited, a lot of excited. I mean, getting the chance to play the, the game you love at the professional level. I mean, every kid dreamed that. So just seeing it, but I was a lot of nerves. I mean, getting that first batter, like first batter out, kind of make it better. I didn't have the best first outing. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll learn a lot for that. And I learned a lot for that, but just having the chance to get that first inning out of the way and just focus on what I do best, it was the best, yeah. So you talk about, um, you know, uh, the learning about the philosophy of uh, the organization. Did anything surprise you? Uh, not much. I mean, pitching philosophy was a lot similar to at the University of uh, Missouri because I had the chance to to share knowledge with uh, Brian DeLunas, who was a pitching coach at the bench coach at the major league level a lot, like on the pitching side. So, um, yeah, I got to, to learn a lot from him on pitching philosophy at the highest levels. And uh, I think it was pretty similar. I think just getting, just making sure that we're on the on the same track. But from my background at the University of Missouri, it was pretty pretty similar. Do you think that that's part of? I mean, aside from just you know your 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 talent and ability, do you think that a similar philosophy might have been part of why they drafted you? I mean that that might be it. I think because I think they're looking for a lot of guys to just get ahead in the zone, pitch to their strengths, you know, that like basic stuff. So, I mean, I think playing that way kind of helped me uh, get a track from the Boston Red Sox. So, yeah. 
have you gotten to meet, uh, like, as far as the coaches go, um, have you gotten to meet with any of, like, the the, the higher-up guys there? Like, um, or is it mostly just uh, you're down in the, down in Fort Myers and it's um, the people that are on staff there? Yeah, it was mostly the people on staff there. I mean, the first week there was a lot of pitching coordinators to kind of make sure that we're, like, going through, like, those pitching philosophies and everything, just making sure we're all, we're all set in Fort Myers. But after that first week, it was mostly with the – the pitching coach that are there. So I spend most of my days with uh, Blanton and coaches, like other coaches there on the staff at the FCL level. I know that, um, you know, with Hurricane Ian hitting, uh, hitting Fort Myers, there was supposed to be, you know, the, um, like the fall workout program, but that's yeah. been um, since pushed back. Have you heard at all if there's going to be some kind of like a substitute program for that, or mm-hmm. is it sort of still up in the air? So unfortunately, we get the that it's officially like canceled. So uh, when we first learned the news, we we're supposed to leave. I think it was uh, October fourth through October tenth. Um, then it got delayed, and then finally it got like canceled. So we had a bunch of meetings la- last week with a bunch of uh, people from from all themes. I mean, baseball. I mean, nutrition. I mean, sci- psychology. Uh, so we had a bunch of meetings to make sure we're on the right track for that off season program. So. Uh, we got all our workouts and everything uh, and we're going to get like more meetings to the, to the off season. But uh, now, unfortunately we didn't get the chance. So that's why I was kind of happy of having the chance to, to play at the FCL. I mean, compared to like other pitchers, I get the chance. I mean, just getting that first taste of like pro ball, I think was, was perfect for me to get ready for my first full season. Yeah. Just get you, get you wanting more, get you that little taste. I can't imagine if you hadn't gotten into a game, just having to wait that entire off season oh, for yeah. it. I feel like, I feel like that would be, uh, that would be maddening. Um, yeah. So, so you got to swap some of these, uh, some, some pretty talented guys play. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about um, just a few guys that have been coming up on uh, some scouting reports? I heard some, uh, some pretty some pretty crazy scouting reports about um, outfielder Miguel uh, Blaze. Did you get to Did you get to watch him at all? Yeah, I watched him. I mean, early in the when I got there, because after he had that uh, injury that kept him out of the field, so he didn't get the chance to play at the end. So, uh, of course, it was a big loss for us whenever we were in the playoffs. But um, I mean, Luis Perales, like you told me, like before. I mean, this one guy was. Uh, it was kind of crazy to see pitch and you're like, you see those guys and you're like, all right, you're at the, you're at the pro level with a bunch of, bunch of guys being their own play, just watching him pitch. But uh, of course, I mean, like, like every coach told us, they were really excited with that group. I mean, we, we got there for like a month, like, or, and then I, it felt like I was there for the old season, just being a part of that team. And I mean, coaches were pretty excited with the group we had because we had a lot of talent on the team and you named a few of those, uh, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was it was uh, it was a talented team that we had down there. Of course, there's um, another guy from your draft class, um, Brooks Brandon, uh, the catcher. Did you get to throw to him at all? Uh, I got to throw bullpens with him. Uh, I didn't get to throw uh, in games with him, but yeah, I, I spent some times in bullpens working on my craft with him. How much do you at that level do you work with the catchers? Um, is it the coaches calling the game? Is it you? It, are you picking your own pitches? Is the catcher calling it? I mean, it's a big teamwork between me and my catcher. Like often, it's really easier when you're on the same page. But on the same page, excuse me. But uh, no, of course. I mean, at the end of the day, you're calling your own game. Like you know, you know what you can like if you trust more that pitch or that pitch at any counts. But uh, so yeah, at the end of the day, it was uh, the coaches were not calling it. It was a suggestion from the catcher, and then you either decide to throw it or not. So at the end of the day, you get the last call. Cool. I, it's pretty, it's, you know, we're really looking forward to following for, to following what you're doing uh, next season. And it's been really cool um, having you here. Um, I've got a couple of lightning round questions for you though. Okay. Right. Um, so you can't do more than a sentence for your answer. Um, right. The shorter the answer, the better. Okay? okay. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna blast through this. Okay. Player you would most like to strike out? I would say Machado. (laughs) (laughs) That is going to endear you to Red Sox fans. (laughs) Um, First baseball game you went to? Uh, Fenway Park. It was crazy. Fenway Park, Chris Sell against the Braves. Yeah, first first official uh, professional baseball game. Wow. 
that's really cool. I think I actually remember that game too. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite player growing up? Clayton Kershaw. Another left makes sense. Another lefty. Mm-hmm. Um, single best pitch you've seen somebody throw. Like what? Like if you like if you could take if you could take a pitch from any pitcher, who would it? Uh, what? Who would it be? In what pitch? Oh, it would be Degrom's glove side fastball. Have to. Why's that? <laughs> this could, this could be a little bit I mean, uh, a little bit long. I mean, I know I, mean, I know he's Jake Degrom, but I'm just curious yeah. from like the craft perspective of this, like the craftsmanship behind it. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got the best. Like that's why I specify glove side fastball because I mean that's what opens up is is harder slider. And I mean, that pitch just makes him dominant. I've watched him pitch a lot. And this guy just sets up that pitch so well. And you know it's coming. And guys can't still hitting. So, yeah, I mean, a one or two fastball, I won't say no. <laughs> um, coach that you would most like that you haven't, you haven't been coached by him yet, but you would most like to play under and learn from? Oh, that's a great question. Got to think about that one. You mean at the professional level or whatever? Yeah. I mean... Uh, for me, but my first answer was uh, at University of Brian DeLunas because because um, uh, when I was at University of Missouri, he was supposed to be my pitching coach during the spring, but he passed away during Christmas break, and I didn't get the chance to. So we, I worked with him all like uh, that fall semester. So that's have to be my answer because I will give anything to have a chance to play for him, mostly. Oh man, that must have just going into that a little bit more. I had no idea. Um, yeah. Was that was this. What? Sorry, did you say that was your sophomore year when this happened? No, it was uh, during my uh, junior year. Uh, so I spent two years in JUCO, went to University of Missouri. Uh, we had a new pitching coach, Brian DeLunas, that was there for a lot of years, had some health problems, stepped out of uh, professional baseball, came back uh, where he started at the University of Missouri to be the pitching coach, and he had some health problems, had kidney problems. And uh, his, uh, his nephew was actually on the team with us. He was one of the pitchers. And uh, – just just sharing his knowledge like all semester and then learning the the tough news like right after Christmas break. Uh it was tough. But uh yeah, it was a big shook for our like our whole like our whole group as a whole. That's why we we're kinda like devastated with last year I ended up because we really wanna play for him like every day. We didn't we didn't make the SEC tournament unfortunately, but that was kinda like our mojo like all year. Yeah. I mean that's that's mm-hmm. that's gotta be so hard when you have someone like that that like you know with a coach and everything that you clearly learned a lot from um, what's something that he taught you that's really stuck uh kind of stuck with you as you've advanced uh, through your career yeah i mean uh for me it was uh kind of like that uh professional pitching philosophy i mean you know i was a kid like working already had a lot of trust in me uh it was just making sure that i pitched to my strengths every time and i don't get involved too much in like the first pitch just attack early it was that big mentality attack early and finish up with your strengths uh so it was really those like basics that you just make sure that everyone knew because it's so easy at the like college level to try to do too much but at the end of the day you see professional baseball and they like pitching philosophy they keep it like really simple i mean guys guys throw their best stuff and attack the zone early and you see the the best games from any pitcher they got their first pitch strike they got quick outs and that's that's the best games right there yeah there's definitely you don't hear a lot of people complaining about two-hour pitching duels you know oh never (laughs) um what do you like to do outside of baseball uh coaching i'm in here coaching working out those are gonna be my three words (laughs) <laughs> do you um, do you like re- do you read into that stuff at all, or is it more just like experiences that you've had in your life? You try to incorporate that. Yeah, I started uh, reading a lot more about pitching for the past like three years. I would say trying to. I mean, it's one great way of getting your craft better, uh, knowing yourself better, and being able to coach yourself. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're on the mound, the coach is not right next to you to make that adjustment. So I start uh, reading about that, or reading about. Uh, pitching mentalities, uh, kind of like that more, uh, like, uh, head game. I mean, like the, just, uh, that mentality part of like pitching. So, uh, yeah, that's, those are the words that, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that you alluded to that a little bit earlier about, you know, like you had a rough outing, but it was a good experience. And I feel like that you, you have to have that mentality, right? Like if you're just going to be 
fixating over every mistake. I mean, base, baseball, if you're a hitter, you're going to fail seven out of 10 times and you're one of the best players in the game. Do you find that it's a similar mentality as far as pitchers go? Oh, no doubt. I mean, it was one word that came up a lot in those first two weeks is like, you're going to fail, but what are you going to do about it? So it was one way. I mean, every day, every day you fell, it's either the uh, baseball field, it's in your life, like you're going to fail. It's more that mentality of what you're going to do about it. And it's, that's why I've really been focused in the past two years. And with last year, I had a lot of uh, of talks with uh, uh, just about that, about just those after talk games, uh, just make sure that your head is right to make sure that you get a like a good week of preparation for those uh, weekend series and and uh, at the university, but that was uh, one way in the past two years that I really focused on. Do you um, do you follow like the World Baseball Classic stuff at all? Uh, just a little bit. I I like not not as much as I used to. I mean, Canada is not really on it. <laughs> so, but yeah, I've been I've been watching a few guys. Do you think that that's something that you might want to compete in someday? Oh, that's that's one way. I mean, representing Canada will be will be great. I never had the chance to do that. I mean, there's that national junior team in Canada and I, I mean, under, under 18, but I was not, I was not up there yet. I mean, had to go through my own like process and everything. But one day, if you're telling me what you'd love to do, I mean, representing Canada in baseball would be, would be one of them. It's always amazing to me um, how much Canadians will root for their own in the, in the MLB, whether it's Russell Martin um, you know, Michael, uh, Michael Sanders, um, I actually, so my, my dad went, uh, to school in, uh, in Montreal and he has a lot of his friends are like pretty big baseball fans. And it's just, they know everything about every Canadian player over the years. It's insane. I mean, not just like the Joey Votto's, like the people, like guys that got, you know, like Adam Stern guys that maybe got a few at bats of the majors here and there. And it's always been like pretty amazing to me how, uh, how feverish it is there now. Do you think that Montreal is ever going to get a team back? I I hope they do, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think right now they have the facility to do it. And I think there's a lot of like, there's a lot to think about in the, in the province, but like baseball. So yeah, I think, I think it's, it's tough to say it. I'm trying to be as honest as possible, <laughs> but I don't yeah, think oh, it's in the short term. Yeah. Uh, no, prefer the honesty. I remember, like yeah. um, they were talking about that split season thing with Tampa and Montreal the other year, and then they shot it down. That was because I remember. Um, I have it. I wish I had brought it out. I have like um, this like Russian nesting doll of Orlando Cabrera <laughs> from like the last year that the Expos were around um, wow. because that was when my sister was there, and you know, like we go, you could get you could get like three tickets for three games for like ten bucks. It was. You know, it's. I understand why there isn't a team there anymore, but it was. It was. It was a great environment, and the fans there are excellent. You just, I don't oh know. yeah, like, no I doubt. Hope, I hope so. I really do. Hope, genuinely hope someday they uh, go back there, and not just because it's an easy commute from Boston. Mm. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> um, no doubt. I mean, I mean, Boston is closer to Montreal than I am to to Toronto. So now it's <laughs> that's why that's why it's a great way. But as you said, I mean, people here. Like, since I got drafted, I mean, people know even guys in the minor leagues. I mean, there's, like I told you, there's three guys from Quebec that got drafted. Like, we, we talked a lot about that. So, it's, like, kind of, like, funny to, to like, compare to, like, a first-rounder in the United States. I feel like a first-rounder in Quebec. I mean, the way people are, like, happy for you and just rooting for you. So, just getting that love from your, your city and your province back home, is, it's, it's so great. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it, – it's, it's, it, it's got to be pretty amazing to feel like you're a part of this bigger community and to really be um, be accepted into it. So, one last question for you: This is what I uh, I end every uh, interview on. Do you have any pets? Any 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 pets? I got four dogs. Four dog. Four. Yeah, four dogs. What kind are they? What kind do you got? So three of them are pure like golden Labrador. So. And then, and then one of them is uh, how do you say that? Chihuahua, whatever. Oh, you got a Chihuahua? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we got those big three dogs and the little little dog following them. Is the little one the leader? Like, is she the is he is are they the is the Chihuahua the alpha? No, I would say I would say the Chihuahua <laughs> is like the the older one. It's like the respected like older <laughs> one. And uh, yeah, it's it's he's uh, he's getting a little old, 
so he's not as easy to follow. He's got more, uh, a little more nap time than the other three. So <laughs> he's the he's the respected one. We'll say it that way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you uh, heard it earlier. Um, I've got I've got she's like a uh, Chihuahua Corgi Jack Russell. There's some some kind of a mix of a bunch of these little things. Yeah. But it, it, I swear it's it's like clockwork. I don't know what it's going to happen, but anytime I am on air with somebody. Mm-hmm. She will start screaming at something. Yeah. I don't. It's gotten. It's got. You know. Like I just accept it at this point. They are. They can be very noisy, but um, they're. <laughs> I mean, they want to say hi. They want. They want to be part of the podcast. They want to say hi. So that's why they know. She's cl- she'll <laughs> climb on the screen sometimes while I'm doing. Yeah. It and be like, oh hey, what's what's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> what are um, what are what are your names? What are their what are their names? Oh, so first one's Maya. We got and we got some uh, French names. It's kind of like one. There's a little white line here, so it's it's called white in French. So it's Blanche. So Blanche. If you want, yeah. So if you want to learn about it, and yet uh, the little little Chihuahua is Mimi. 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 That's, little, that's such yeah. a good name for a Chihuahua. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's that's great though. And again, um, thank thank you so much for coming on. We're definitely going to be following following your uh, progress through the season, seeing, uh, seeing where you're at, um, where, where can our listeners follow you? Where can they find you? I mean, I'm a lot on Instagram. I mean, Twitter, kind of like the, the same, I mean, you type, uh, it's, it's usually, I, I don't even know. I need to look on my, my, Twitter. <laughs> I think it's uh Nate underscore Landry 17. And then on, uh, on Instagram, it's Landry Nate, but it's N A T H. I mean, yeah. There you yeah, go. like just that French it. version of Nate. <laughs> just type it in on, uh, just type it in your search bar and you'll find them. And, uh, you know, wishing the best of luck to you. Having, uh, hoping you have a good, uh, good, good holiday season. Come back strong and we'll, uh, you know, we'll see where you're at come, uh, come April, March, May. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to uh, just tell my story. So thank you. Thank you so much. Pleasure to have you. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for watching. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Pesky Report. Make sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.